Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Canal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. you guys are doing well we've got an amazing guest today she's the ceo and the founder of the very good bra she created and launched the world's first zero waste post-production bra in the world via kickstarter in 2018 following a breast cancer diagnosis in 2006 she became obsessed with creating a non-wired bra made with natural fibers. She was awarded the prestigious Best-in-Class Good Design Award for Fashion Impact in 2020. During this episode, we talked about her journey and find out many interesting facts on the process of actually making a sustainable bra. She also shared with us a few handy tips how we can make our bras last longer. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Stephanie Devine. Thank you very much for having me. You're most welcome. How did your sustainable journey actually start? Okay, well, mine was a a little bit of a circuitous route. I didn't quite start off on sustainable. What I started off on was non-wide bras. So, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in late 2006 and being a a small frame but a large cup size, I was just completely unable to find a non-wide bra in my size, which, you know, to get you through treatment has to be lined with a natural fiber. And I couldn't find anything that wasn't a maternity bra or a sports bra and even the sports bras were full of spandex. So there was nothing in a natural material. I'd just been told I'd never have kids after chemo and it, everything happened within a week. It was unbelievable and I was young. So it felt like a real slap in the face and it was was incredibly upsetting to be going through all of this and what was going to be a real identity crisis, losing my hair and my eyebrows and, and everything. And then also, you know, ending up wearing a sports bra because that was the only thing that was available to me. It started that way and um, I didn't do it immediately. I waited till I was five years out because I think you don't really you don't really have any great sense that you've made it through until you get to that five year point. So in about 2012 I started really thinking about trying to create a product for women going through what I've been through that were looking for a non-wide bar that wasn't, you know, a cancer bar, but that was a really great looking thing that was made out of a natural fiber. You know, I happened to know a couple of women in the industry and they thankfully gave me their time and I was working full time while I was doing it. And, you know, it kind of it kind of went from there. It wasn't until much later. So in 2015, I was lucky enough to go into the business full time. I found a backer. And so after three years of working at it part time, I found a backer and um, and got really going on it, just making non-wide bars, but always lined with organic cotton. So quietly fit for purpose for a woman going through treatment, but also things that looked great in beautiful colors. That relationship ended very quickly and I lost that business. And then 
it there was another iteration with another backer, which again it didn't work. But but what happened after I, I lost the business first time was that I I was really devastated. I it was the middle of 2016. I felt like you know a complete failure, like the best idea I'd ever had. I'd I'd completely lost, and that I'd you know, I'd never succeed at anything again. And and that very same week in the middle of June 2016, I happened to meet a Dutch guy called Bert van Son who runs a circular economy jeans company called Mud Jeans out of Amsterdam. And he was in Sydney for the Sustainable Brands Conference. And he told me about the circular economy and I hadn't heard of it before. And I just thought, wow, what an amazing idea that everything we make is actually kind of returned to the earth or returned to another product in some way. It's not a linear economy. And the more I researched into it and the more you then understand about the terrible pollution that comes from the textile industry, suddenly, you know, the world turned around a bit. And um, I realized that there was actually a bigger and a better and a more important idea. And I then became very focused on, on trying to create the world's first circular economy bra. So from 2016 on, that's, that's what I was working on and eventually launched that in um, 2018. Wow, what a journey. I mean, geez, uh, first of all, that must have been such a emotional thing to go through as well. I mean, having friends that has gone through breast cancer, you know, it's really, you know, once once you're in in that situation, it's only then when you really realize a lot of the stuff that's that's going on and geez, that's like full on. <laughs> such a such an amazing journey. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's just, I mean, it, it's interesting that some of these businesses in the end are started by frustrated consumers. You don't know what's missing until it's not there for you. And you think, oh, hang on a minute. And you, you know, how have I disappeared as a consumer? So it just, uh, that it, that's how it started. So yeah, it is strange the way life throws you some doozies and you can potentially make something out of them. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And looking at the very good bra, I mean, for me as well, I always in a situation where I'm trying to find a really good bra without a wire that's still, you know, still kind of along with my values and obviously has got sustainability at its core. So when we look at your bras, like kind of what type of materials do you actually use for your products? Yeah, well, look, finding the materials took me forever. <laughs> so it was really hard in, in 2016, 2017. And, and some of the materials, you know, that, that I had now have weren't even, they hadn't even been created by the time I was trying to work on this. But I used tensile in the body of the bra, largely because that's quite a nice Aussie thing. It's made of eucalyptus trees and we've got great manufacturers. I use a, a family-owned knitting company in Melbourne. Tencel is an extraordinary product. It's, it's antibacterial, it's hypoallergenic, it's beautifully soft like silk. And it's also made, it was kind of revolutionary because lensing Tencel was created in the 1940s by a fellow called Lensing, funnily enough, in Austria, who found a way to process the eucalyptus trees in a way that was 99% closed loop. So all of the chemicals and the, the water that went into the, the processing of the material 
could be reused, could be salvaged and reused. So, so very revolutionary and, and still, you know, done the same way now. So tensile was a bit of a no-brainer. Couldn't have any spandex in there, and that's quite a challenge in terms of a bra. So we rely a lot on the mechanical knit of the product. I also make bras now in organic cotton too, but again, without spandex. Elastic was very difficult, but thankfully I found via you know, having to track down a woman in the Netherlands, literally having to go there because she was not taking me seriously from over here. I went on a train to Roermond and met this agent and she had this elastic that a woman in Germany was making in a factory in Austria and it was tree rubber and organic cotton. And Mandy, who makes this elastic, has now become a friend. She's in Berlin and she was making, she had a line of children's clothing and wanted them to be organic cotton and pure. And she was really falling down on this elastic issue because elastic is polyester and nylon and spandex and really nasty plastic, essentially. And she created this product. She worked with this old factory in Austria and she she got them to work with natural rubber and organic cotton. And, and that's the elastic that we have there. I use cradle to cradle gold certified sewing thread made of tensile again, and that's manufactured in Switzerland. I use an organic cotton weave to put some structure and strength into the bar, and that's um, that's from the Netherlands. And yes, I have my hooks and eyes made now. It's a French company. They do manufacture in China, but it's a company in Paris that makes cotton um, hooks and eyes to my spec, and they sew them in cotton as well so that we can dye them individually for each each colour that we're doing. So it took a long time to get it together. And even when I started, actually, it's funny, I was on a podcast recently with Rebecca Bukowski of the Better Packaging Company, because I use her mailers now. But when I first started, there weren't even any any poly bags. And that was another big problem. You know, what am I going to do with these bras when they come? And eventually I found a company in Israel that was manufacturing sugarcane bags in in France to as the poly bags. Um, but luckily by the time the stock arrived in in October 2018, after the Kickstarter, the Better Packaging Company was up and running. So I managed to buy her stuff. But it's it's a very recent development, all of these materials and 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 you know, and again, particularly the packaging, it's very prevalent now, but it wasn't, you know, two, three years ago. Wow, that's amazing. And um, I mean this there's honestly just so much detail that's gone into this and you know for someone that's kind of looking always into what is it that I'm buying you know from my clothes to the food that I eat once you kind of dig into this whole dilemma of finding organic materials and clothing you actually discover all the bad and nasties from you know the actual existing fashion industry so it's really amazing to see to what lengths you have gone to you know create this this amazing bra yeah and you know it's it's actually easier for me it's easier if you start from scratch what's really difficult is if you have a big company like an H&M or a Burley bras or whatever and and you're trying to pivot that huge ship and make it into something sustainable that's really hard to do but I think for me I just started from the premise of being absolutely pig-headed about wanting to make the world's first zero waste circular economy bra and I just wouldn't I wouldn't compromise on anything and so if it couldn't be done, it couldn't be done. I, I wasn't going to do it with something else. So, but yes, it, it does. When you look at when you look at what is out there, the majority of it is um, 
you know, even where it's supposed to be natural fibers, they're blended with spandex or they're sewn with polyester. It's a bit of a minefield. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And um, so at the end of, of the product's life, how do we dispose of this bra? And I believe there was a very interesting blog also written on a, a worm farm and the bra. The worm farm, that's right, that's right. So when I first started trying to do this and the circular economy idea, when I spoke to Bert, what he does with his jeans is they take them back and they're sent to a company in Valencia that puts them in a big drum and they break down the fibre and re-roll it into new yarn and then it into sweaters. And I was trying to think, how do I do this with a bra? It's nine different materials. They're all different sizes. They've been worn next to the body. It's an intimate. And it just really dawned on me that couldn't really be recyclable in the sense that recycled clothes are. And at the same time that I was working all of this through, bizarrely, it was four years ago and, and Trump had just been elected in the US and women were burning their bras. And at the same time, the poor people in India, uh, in Delhi in particular, were burning rubbish to keep warm and they were dying of the toxic fumes. And it was only when these two kind of things and ideas came together that I realized that what I made had to be botanically circular and something that could be buried or burned at end of life and leave no trace. So that's what was my starting position. And that's where I went from. So yes, we we sent one off to um, Wormtech, which is a fabulous, um, a massive and, and amazingly successful in terms of the what it does with the byproduct of the cotton industry and how it makes that into one of this, you know, potent fertilizers on the planet up in northern New South Wales. And the bra was it it just disappeared in in eight weeks. It was it was unbelievable. The worms really loved it. <laughs> so yeah, that was really exciting just to see you see what happened. We've put it in a few other worm situations since and we've also put it in soil. So it will compost within three to six months. The elastic might take a little bit longer and you have to remove the metal really because whilst the metal is clean it's ecotech so it's cadmium and nickel free it's it's not going to be great for the worms so good to remove that first i think but everything else yeah will break down in nature if you only have a garden or a potted plant you can stick it in there as long as you've got enough water and it's warm enough it will gradually break down oh wow that's amazing i would first of all try the bra and then obviously see how i can dispose of it years and years down the line that's clearly the hope you get a few good years wear out of it before it actually is destined to the worm farm, but yes. Yeah. I mean, you do quite a lot to reduce the waste. You also run like pre-sales to kind of minimize on overproduction. Can you tell us more about this process and why this was re- it really important to you? Absolutely. Well, I mean, it came, it was kind of a necessity thing in the end for not having a background, having to try and fund this myself. And it's a really capital intensive thing because you're then manufacturing in 27 sizes and you've got minimum quantities on everything, which are really, really hard to meet as a small business. But also when you are manufacturing, if you're doing t-shirts and they're small, medium and large, you can kind of afford to just guess what's going to happen there. But if you're doing 27 sizes, you've got no idea what really is going to be the best selling size. Or you don't initially know that, you get to know as time goes on. Um, although I have to say that, you know, in each style that I do, the the size ratio is different. But I figured that if I did a pre-sale and gave my customers a small discount for investing upfront in it, it's an early bird pricing system, 
that then is open for 30 days. And during that time, you know, I might sell 100 or 300 bars and I get an understanding of what the key sizes are that are selling in that. So that means that I, I make up some additional stock, but I make it up in that curve of, of where the size concentration is so that I'm replicating what people are buying and I'm never going to sit there with a whole bunch of, of bars in one size that are not going to sell. So it just felt like a good way to produce, to minimize post-production waste. So yes, that's what I did. That's fantastic. And I mean, if we just look at other fashion brands globally that they just go about, predict how much is going to sell. And, you know, in the end, they they are left with like millions and millions of tons of clothing that, you know, they don't want on the market because it might reduce their prices. So they end up destroying all of this quality products. And, you know, this this for me is like, terrible because the amount of resources I mean we've just talked about everything that goes into your bras you know can you imagine just having to destroy that that's just crazy so I love that you know you've got the system in place because you know it it helps avoiding that yeah, I mean, it's absolutely heartbreaking to see that happen so that brands can maintain their brand, as it were. I mean, it, it was so brand damaging for the brand that did it. it. You know, you are really shooting yourself in your foot. But yes, this is a really good way to to make sure you'd never have to do that. I mean, I could imagine I'm, I'm not really going to get as big as <laughs> that particular company ever, but I'm happy to keep it this size and keep my arms around it and just make sure that I'm not overproducing and I don't waste anything. Everything we sell, we don't do any sales um down the line we only we only discount up front as a as a thank you for investing in that production run but we don't ever do sales to kind of get rid of stock we we just sell it over time and we're never left with a a great deal anyway and you currently have a new v for victory bra which i love the name um can you tell us more about this and the design of it I mean, you know, the quest for a, a, a V-wire bar that offers proper support in, to someone like me, I'm an E-cup. It's just really hard technically to to get it exactly right. Um, and so I looked at, you know, swimwear and, and and what we do there. And there's this little V-wire that you often have in the front of swimwear that you don't, don't often use in a bra. And when I put it into the front of the bra in a sample, it actually made this fantastic separation in the larger cut sizes, it really gave the support and separation that, you know, was a real plus to the non-wide bar. And also in the smaller sizes, what's happened is that um, if you're an A cup, it actually gives you more definition because a non-wide bar can tend to be a bit flattening. We haven't yet found a, a, a sort of a foam replacement, which is compostable and which doesn't shrink. So we can't do padded bars in any way, but this wire gives just a bit more definition and shape than than you would get in um, in a, a smaller size of a traditional non-wide bra. So I'm just really excited. I mean, it's absolutely my ultimate bra. I'm wearing one right now as it happens. And I'm very comfortable, very happy. Oh, amazing. And I mean, we've talked quite a lot about bras, but you do not just sell bras. You've got quite a few other products as well. Um, can you tell our crazy birds about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I just wanted to do something a little bit different. I think it was at Christmas and it was after the first crowdfund. And I thought, well, you know, what else do people like and what can I do? Some friends were saying, well, what can we do for blokes? Can we do undies or can we do this? Can we do that? And I, I just thought, well, why don't I do a range of sleepwear? So 100% compostable sleepwear. So there is obviously there's so much sleepwear out of there, but it's it's 
almost all sewn with polyester and a lot of it is is blended fabric which can't be can't be recycled in any way and which is going to end up in a landfill for 200 years so I I did sleepwear for men and for women and that's all well and this year I you know particularly being in lockdown I just had this obsession with wanting a a nice lightweight organic cotton long pant with a stripe downside and it felt like every stripe pant out there was made out of polyester or a blend or something and I thought well, I'm just gonna have to do it myself as usual so so I did so I have long pants I got shorts I got some t-shirts and this helps us also use up any dead stock fabric that we have so we only use so much with bras and then I try and keep an extra roll to to make something extra which I think is just nice if you you're buying a bra and you think oh I might get a pair of shorts or something or a sleep t-shirt or something so yeah they they're really popular particularly in the new colors so just a small range of of Wear that you can can wear indoors, you can sleep in, but I wear mine to the post office and stuff as well. I just wanted something that got me everywhere without having to change during lockdown. That was it. (laughs) Thank you. And I mean, it is really when when we look at this like textile industry, it's really just no secret that the textile industry is actually amongst some of the biggest polluters out there. What can you tell us a little bit more about? What sets you guys um, from a very good bras manufacturing process apart from, you know, all of those mainstream manufacturing? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's really the materials that um, that are the, the enemy in pollution. I mean, from, from the manufacture of a polyester, which emits a gas which is 300 times more toxic than carbon monoxide when you produce virgin polyester. So it affects, it impacts the air. It impacts our water system. So when we wash polyester and synthetic fibers, one of the huge issues we have now is that those microfibers, 500,000 tons of them a year, are released into our oceans and waterways. And so we have pollution in our in our water, in our seafood, which comes from essentially plastic or polyester. And then landfill and, you know, a polyester bra will last for 200 years in landfill. And the research tells us that the average woman owns nine bras. And if you think there's maybe two billion women on the planet who are wearing bras, they don't all have nine, of course, but that's 18 billion bras headed into landfill lasting 200 years where they will give off methane gas. So for me, the way that our materials are made and manufactured in a in a, a sustainable way i.e lensing tensile and our um, tree rubber and organic cotton elastic it mean that we're not making an impact through the manufacturing of the materials and then washing yes they do give some of some microfibers off but they're not plastic so they break down cotton and natural fibers break down much faster in water and then when they go into landfill well they won't go into landfill they're going to your garden and they'll be gone within three to six months. So I, I can sleep well at night knowing that we, we're not adding to those issues of air, ocean and land in terms of the very good bra. That's fantastic. And geez, just hearing that, you know, how many bras the average woman has, I think I need to maybe get another one. I only have three bras. <laughs> oh, really? I've obviously got about 3,000 because I manufacture them and I can't throw them away. But <laughs> <laughs> That's a, an interesting one. And I take care of them as if, you know, they are super, super precious. Um, never put them in the machine. Just always make sure they get hand washed. <laughs> 
But yeah, so where are all of your products actually made? Well, as I said, most of the raw materials are manufactured in Europe. And I was initially manufacturing in China because I needed a factory that was small enough to do my numbers, which to me were massive, but they were too big to do. Like we don't have any industry here in Australia. So essentially since bonds and Pacific brands went offshore, we don't have the expertise, uh, the technical expertise, and it's a really technical job fitting and making a bar and making sure every bar measures up to exactly that size. We just don't have the expertise in Australia anymore. We don't really have the machines because they take some machines that you don't even use in swimwear. So, so I started manufacturing in China. They had a head office in Hong Kong and they were recommended to me by the women that I was working with who had worked with them before. And they were a fantastic factory. But I started having issues there late 2019 when Hong Kong was having the riots and that really had an impact on getting things in and out of Hong Kong and in and out of China. So I looked at other places to go and I I went to um, Sri Lanka and um, to a much bigger factory. But the great thing about the bigger factories is because they work for the bigger brands, they have to have more accreditations and audits. So they are more regulated than than the smaller factories that can't afford to do those um, those certifications unfortunately so so yeah Sri Lanka is much bigger much too big for me and they kind of didn't want my business I think but then the <laughs> the heads of the business the, the founders are three brothers and one of them's the chairman and his son uh, who's young he's in his 30s had done his um, master's in the US and he'd done his thesis on Patagonia he loved the idea of what I was doing and he really got it. And the relationship with him and his, you know, the way his eyes lit up when he talked about how much he wanted to do the Vogue Bar and how much they wanted to be part of this new sustainability movement, which was so hard for them to do with their other manufacturers, really convinced me that they were, were the right partner. So I switched to... Um, I switched to them and I'd actually been manufacturing in China again at the beginning of last year. And then, of course, I got hit by COVID and I thought, great, I'm going to move to Sri Lanka. And then, of course, Sri Lanka got shut down for 50 days with COVID. So, wow. so it's it's been a real challenge. And, and Sri, Lanka's, Sri Lanka managed really well because it shut down, but it did delay my production. So I've had, I had three separate productions which were delayed, one Hong Kong riots, one COVID in China, and the second one COVID in, sorry, the third COVID in Sri Lanka. So it's it's been really hard, but they just called it again. And this time the government's not closing the factories down. When I say just, they could it in October and they're actually managing it really well and they're still working through it and they've just got less people on the floor. They've got more space, but they are still manufacturing for us there. So, so I'm continuing to work in Sri Lanka. And of course, I was hoping that I'd be traveling there a couple of times a year because it's a great place to go, but I'm not sure if I'll ever get there again right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, COVID has definitely had an effect on so many industries and with so many people. So yeah, I'm just glad we're here in Australia and most parts are doing well and staying safe. So that's the most important thing. We kind of talked about it when I said I hand wash my bra, (laughs) but what is the kind of best way to like take care of your bra to make sure they last as long as possible? 
Well, look, they should always be washed. I mean, particularly ours should always be washed on coal because we're using non-conventional materials and they just respond better to being washed cold or at least under 30 degrees, but we always recommend cold. You should line dry it and it should be hung through the middle, the centre of the front band, so not by the straps or by the hook and eye or anything. It's best to just put it over the line and, and hook it right, pin it right in the middle. We never recommend tumble drying's a disaster for elastic, for any elastic. Ours in particular doesn't like tumble drying, doesn't like the heat. So heat just really wears down elastic. And any elastic on any bar is the first thing to go. It's Once it's gone, it's gone. It just stretches and, you know, there's a point at which it can go no further. One of the other things I've only recently heard about, which is actually quite interesting, is HuffPost sort of saying that you shouldn't wear a bra on two consecutive days because many of us wear it, you know, two days and then wash it. Whereas if you rest it in between days, you can actually rest your elastic and you might actually get more lifespan out of your elastic. So that's something we started recommending as well. But I think it's just keeping it away from heat um, is the big thing. Oh, that's that sounds amazing. I'm definitely going to do the um, not wear my bra every single day thing, <laughs> trying to prolong, put them on a rotating schedule in this house. Wow, that's that's amazing. And definitely, I mean, with the tumble dryer as well, I try to avoid actually putting any clothes in there. It's really when I'm just in such a rush sometimes that they end up in the tumble dryer, but like undies and stuff, anything with elastic, it's just like a, you know, no-go. Try to make your products last. Yeah, exactly. So Stephanie, what has been one of your most important decisions that you've made around Mama Earth? For me personally, it's the business that I run because I figure that I worked out quite early on when we when we'd sold our first thousand bras that that weighed a hundred kilos and that's the weight of a baby elephant. And I like to think that every very good bra I sell potentially saves someone from buying a toxic bra and which will end up in landfill. So today we've sold over four thousand bras, which is four baby elephants worth of um of toxic waste we may have saved from landfill. So for me, running this business is, is you know, the most important decision. And it wasn't easy. It's been really hard, but I've kind of got it and I love it and it's full of purpose. So that's my big proud thing. Oh, well, what an amazing, important decision. And I love how you compare it with the baby elephants. It's amazing. Um, and it just shows you that sometimes we think that, what we do doesn't really have an impact or, you know, it's something small, but 4,000 bras. And I mean, I I also like to think that a lot of those women that is wearing these bras might, might have started their journey with a sustainable bra and it led to a number of other things that they wanted to change in their lives as well. Absolutely. I think it makes us more conscious of our clothing choices because there aren't that many truly sustainable clothing choices. But if you can find a bra that is compostable, then it kind of makes you think, well, why can't I find a t-shirt that is? So, so yeah, hopefully it does make people think more about that. Absolutely. Well, crazy birds, I'm going to take a little bit of a break and just jump in and say thank you so much for all of you guys that's been listening to the podcast, it really means the world to me. I actually just wanted to jump in and just give you guys a little bit of an update on what is happening because some of you have reached out on social media asking what is going on. And yeah, there's been, there's been a lot going on. 
So I mainly use Design by Mariska for like everything, podcast, zero waste, art, anything. It all went on Design by Mariska. And I've recently kind of split it up. So it's a little bit more easier for you to actually find what it is that you want. So Design by Mariska will be mainly my trash to treasure artwork. So if you want to see what artwork I've done, what artwork I'm doing, then Design by Mariska, go follow. (laughs) And for anything like zero waste related, I've got the account, which I hope you guys are following already, Zero Waste Mariska. And that is just mainly kind of my zero waste journey. It's more of a like little personal thing that's happening day to day. I try to share as much, you know, zero waste tips and little nuggets of really good information for you guys on there. So that will be that one. And then the third one is Mama Earth Talk. So obviously that's the podcast. And I am going to start posting there from like episode 000 in the next few weeks. You should see all of the podcast up to the latest one there. So just, you know, to kind of scroll through and see what's happening. And yeah, that's kind of the update on that. Again, thank you so much for all of your support over the years. Like really, it's it's been an amazing journey. And I, I'm so grateful for all of you guys that has been with me. I mean, there's many of you guys that's been there since day one. And also many new people that's been joining the party. And I absolutely love and appreciate all of you guys. So thank you so much. Now let's dig right back into that final five. The first one is what is one social media account or publication that you follow? Okay, I love Echo World, so run by um, a Queenslander, Jen Nielsen, who's a, a real revolutionary. So she does a she has a great newsletter with really fascinating facts. She's super bright, super smart, all over things. So I love Echo World. I guess I'm going to say one other because the one other that I really like on Instagram is the thing called Zero Waste Guide, and they're the ones that sort of have old me and new me, and just really clever switches to make in your daily life from one soap to another soap. So I love those two. So sorry, that's two. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Love it. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? I'm just hoping that, um, you know, with COVID, we are going to look at um, our encroachment on natural habitat. And we're going to look at, you know, what difference it made not, you know, shutting down over that period of time and how we can potentially you know, have an impact on this, what seems like an unstoppable race towards the annihilation of, of our habitat. I'm hoping that that what's happened in the last 12 months and also a new administration in the US is going to, to make a difference to, to the bigger decisions that we make or that large corporations make about what impact we make on the planet. Definitely. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to help out Mama Earth? Look, I think the, the the good advice is that don't ever let perfect be the enemy of great. <laughs> I think just do one thing, just try and do one thing, even if it's taking your own bags to the supermarket, your own produce bags is an extra development from that. But but don't be put off by not being perfect. 
Yeah, because I think a lot of people want to, you know, achieve that goal and then, you know, instead of doing just one thing, they want to do everything and then end up doing nothing. Yeah, you get overwhelmed, absolutely. Exactly. And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey? There's lots of facts about textiles. I've been thinking about this. And I think one of the most interesting ones last year is that um, because I talked about when we wash synthetic fibres, the the microfibres go into all waterways and water systems. Last year, there was a fascinating article came out of one of the California universities about how plastic is now in our fossil record and has been since the 1940s when plastic became really apparent. And, and we started using it for clothing. And so, you know, we've got the Iron Age, the Bronze Age, and we are the plastic age in our fossil record. So I just want people to think about how much plastic they buy and how much plastic particularly they buy in clothing. So look at your labels, make sure it's not mixed with spandex or, you know, nylon and try and do what you can to, to choose sustainable materials. I love that. And I mean, it just starts with starting with one thing. I mean, if you can start now with your bra, switching your bra to a more sustainable one, maybe, you know, in the next few weeks or next few months when you need to buy another item, then, you know, have a go and try to get your your entire wardrobe with time to be a little bit more sustainable. That's right. Another kind of quick and easy, sorry, I'm doing two again, it's very naughty, but the other quick and easy thing to do is also shampoo bars. You know, Ethique uh, is the New Zealand brand. There's lots of other brands. Just a quick switch like that is saving potentially 12 plastic bottles worth of shampoo if you can use the bars and they're fantastic. So that's a really easy win for everybody. I love that. And I, I personally love shampoo bars. I also use conditioner bars and it's made a massive difference to, you know, having to have all that waste. Exactly, exactly. And Stephanie, where can people actually find you and the Very Good Bra? Okay, well, we are only online. Don't do wholesale models yet, but we are at um, theverygoodbra.com. We have an Instagram and a Facebook page as well. Don't do much with Facebook, but Instagram is kind of mostly where we are out and about. And, you know, if you want to sign up to the newsletter, which you can get to from the website, then you will hear when we're launching new products uh, and new pre-sales where you can also get that early bird discount for 30 days. Oh, awesome. Love it. And thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your journey. It's such an amazing one. And I'm looking forward to many more crazy birds actually having a very good bra. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And I hope it's I hope it's useful for all of your listeners out there. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Huge thank you for our amazing guest for being on the podcast and for sharing their journey with us. You can find the show notes of this episode on the mamaearthtalk.com's website. The biggest thank you goes out to all of you crazy birds for listening to the podcast. If you have not already listened to all of the episodes, you can go back to a few of them. You will absolutely love them. I really enjoyed recording every single one of them. And I really hope that you enjoy listening to them. There's over a hundred episodes. So if you feel a little bit lost on which one to listen to next, maybe select one of the episodes with guests that you might want to know more of and start from there. If you enjoy the episodes, why not tell a friend about the podcast and maybe share an episode with them? 
let them know that we are here and we are waiting for them with open arms and they are all very welcome to join the crazy birds globally. If you have a question for me, please send them over. The best place would probably be a DM on Instagram at Design by Mariska or pop me an email at hello at mamaearthtalk.com. If there's a particular guest or topic that you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. I love to hear from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every second Monday. So make sure to subscribe that you do not miss a thing. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.